This is Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. We're here every day bringing you the latest news from the world of business and finance. Plus technology, politics, economics, all harnessing the power of Bloomberg Business Week reporters and editors. Not to mention our 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. You can download Bloomberg Business Week on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio. Well, I can tell you one thing, Carol. A lot of people here in Atlanta are ready for some football. Coming up on Sunday, the Super Bowl being played right next door to where we are. And, you know, you and I, we sit and watch the game. If it goes one way, it goes the other. We're mostly interested in maybe the commercials and, and, you know, what's on the buffet. Uh, Don Yee... He's got a little bit more on the line come Sunday. He is partner at Yee and Dubin Sports Talent Agency. He's also the founder of the Pacific Pro Football League. We're going to get into that uh, in a minute. But you've got some talent uh, coming onto the field on Sunday, uh, Don. Great to be with you. Uh, tell us what you're expecting on Sunday. Thank you for having me on. I'm expecting a really good game. You've got two terrific teams. Uh, I actually you know, know many of the people in the Rams organization as well. They're very driven, very ambitious. They've done a great job in a short time frame putting together a championship team. And uh, I expect a very competitive game. And, you know, frankly, I think in most of the Super Bowls the Patriots have participated in, uh, they've been close games, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and it's provided uh, great entertainment for the, uh, for the audience and the viewing public. Wait, okay. You represent Tom Brady. Yes. And Julian Edelman. And, and Jimmy Julian Garoppolo. Edelman. Yes. Yeah. I mean, these are incredible players. Yes. Tell <laughs> us about that and what it's, what it's like. And I am always curious about sure. how many clients of that stature can you take on and manage them well? Wow. Okay. Uh, well, you know what it's like. First of all, it's very humbling. It's, I'm just very gratified uh, to be able to do what I do. You yeah. know, I, I really uh, like working with people and inspired by their dreams as young men and, and being along for the journey to see a lot of dreams realized. It's it's you know it, I don't I've never worked in any other kind of business where I'm not dealing with humans. Okay. <laughs> and and so. You know, just to see the, the trials and the tribulations they have to endure, um, it's, it's the whole thing's inspiring. And right. I've been very lucky to work with really high-quality people. Just, you know, people are very down-to-earth. Do you think about and, that when you're choosing to represent somebody? Yes. I mean, there, there are star athletes that you know yes. are just going to do well. They'll be great moneymakers. Yes. Right? And, but they might be... Idiots, jerks. They, you don't want to play around with. Less than stellar human beings. Okay, maybe. you yeah. are much more eloquent than I am. But do, do you take that into account? Absolutely. Well, for us, for my agency, yeah, we, you know, I've always tried to follow a particular formula, if you will. We're, you know, we generally look for three things in every player that uh, we have interest in, and not two of the three, not one of the three. We have to have three things, and one is, you know, ability, enough ability to play the game. The second would be a reasonable level of intelligence because football is the most highly orchestrated sport, yeah. right? And so they have to be able to follow directions, yeah. you know? And then the last thing is, uh, you know, is a great degree of humility. Mm-hmm. And so, if, you know, somebody's got their nose up in the air. They're probably not for me. Mm-hmm. So when you look at trying to find somebody, a young man with those three things. Checks all those boxes, uh, right? You know, ability, a reasonable level of intelligence, and humility, that's a... Sm- 
small universe for my agency. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. one of the things that that seems to be a commonality among the folks you represent and Tom mm-hmm. Brady being sort of the the alpha of all this is really thinking holistically. Well, about... first of all, actually, you know, for me, they are all they're all number one. Right. Right. I'm <laughs> saying, all... I'm saying yes. more representative of what I'm about to say, which is okay. sort, yes. of the, the, sort of this holistic view of a brand, yes. a person, mm-hmm. sort of being a role model. I know mm-hmm. that's a yes. loaded term when it comes to, to athletes, but how much do you get involved in helping them think through their beyond the field life? Because I know that's something you talked yeah. about with yes. your new league. Yes. Uh, well, you know, with I take each client uh, on their own merits, which means that I try to really proactively respect who they are mm-hmm. at that moment in time. So, for example, if they're not ready for that kind of conversation or direction, I have to respect that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. their own person. Right. They're in charge of their future. Right. And so I constantly have to adapt to the different personalities. And I try to respect their space because sometimes if people aren't prepared to, to listen, then why force the issue? Right. You know, but I do. We, my agency, my staff, my partner, Steve Dubin, you know, my partner, Carter Chow, we all get in there and try to attack these issues. But we try to be very strategic and respectful of where they are. Yeah. You know, we feel like football, we feel like so many sports are kind of evolving. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit about um, the Pacific Pro Football League and what you guys are doing. Sure. This will be, uh, it's been something I've been thinking about a long time. It'll be the first professional football league designed specifically for players not yet eligible for the NFL. In order to be eligible for the NFL, you have to be at least a minimum three years removed from high school. Mm-hmm. So traditionally, there's only been one path essentially to the NFL, and that's through the NCAA system. Right. What I want to do is create a professional league that allows those players now to have a choice of the NCAA system, Pacific Pro Football, or a combination Mm-hmm. of the two right? because there are many talented players out there uh, even around the world that would like to play American football and they, maybe they don't want to pursue the traditional four-year university academic path. Right. And so I want to provide choice. We haven't in the football industry had much innovation at all uh, for a long time. Do you feel time. like a lot of players get lost or potential players get lost because they can't go the other? Absolutely. They... Because the traditional system conflates academics yeah. and football. And as we know, college football is a money-making business. Yeah. <laughs> but what about thinking about these players, mm-hmm. just kind of quickly, 30 seconds, mm-hmm. that they, a lot of players don't make it in the big time to make yes. sure that they're financially set later sure. on or think about that. Sure. So just one quickly. of the things we want to do, is we're going to provide an ex- First of all, the comp. The concept of education will not be just a four-year college path. It could be vocational. It could be an apprenticeship. It could be an internship. It could be a mixture of those things. But what we definitely want to do is spur their thinking about what are my other interests when I'm done with sports. It's a reminder that things are different. Like, right, there are different paths to do it. That's Um, right. What a a treasure. Good luck with the game. Thank you very much. I know it'll be a fun one for you. And really nice to spend some time with you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Check in with you down the line as this uh, league really gets underway. Don Yee is partner. Yee and Dubin Sports Talent Agency based in Southern California, also founder of the Pacific Pro Football League. You are listening live from Atlanta to Bloomberg Business Week here on Bloomberg Radio. Carol Master along with Jason Kelly live at the Georgia World Congress Center counting down to the big game. Indeed, and we are here in Atlanta, and so we want to check in with, you know, some of the leaders that go beyond the football field, and one of them uh, has made his way here to 
Radio Row. Dr. Bud Peterson, he's the president of the Georgia Institute of Technology. It's Georgia Tech. That's what everybody uh, calls it. I have to say my dad went there. I've been to a lot of Georgia Tech football games uh, over the years, spent a lot of time on campus. And it really is an amazing uh, economic engine here, uh, Dr. Peterson. Help us understand, President Peterson, I should say, um, help us understand sort of the role that Georgia Tech plays in Atlanta and beyond from a preparation for this whole category of a really important piece of the economy. So uh, one of the recent developments in higher education that that probably the past 10 or 15 years is people, uh, businesses, uh, governments have been looking at uh, institutions of higher education to focus on economic development. Right. And so that's been a big piece of what we've been doing for the past uh, 10 years or so that I've been here is to really look at how we can expand the economy of the state of Georgia and the nation for that matter. And we've done that through uh, a series of innovation centers where large companies today, about 30 uh, large companies, Coca-Cola, Chick-fil-A, Home Depot, uh, Delta, all have these innovation centers located in an area we call Technology Square that's adjacent to campus so that they can access the talent and technologies that exist at Georgia Tech. Well, and keep me honest here, but I, I seem to recall that Georgia Tech sort of pushed in to Midtown a little bit physically, which really kind of changed the dynamic of that part of the city, which was a little bit of a dead zone there for a while between downtown uh, and Midtown, right? Right. It was uh, a lot of broken glass, vacant lots, and razor wire uh, just 15 years ago. In about 2003, uh, Tech jumped over the, the connector over the interstate. There's a pedestrian bridge. It's two lanes of traffic, but it doesn't have on-off ramps to the interstate, so there's hardly any traffic. But moved over there, moved the foundation, the uh, bookstore, the Scheller College of Business, uh, and the uh, hotel and conference center are all there. And that has created this really amazing, vibrant area of Midtown that's one of the fastest-growing innovation neighborhoods or innovation centers in the country. What's it like to be, kind of have so many different corporations around you, well-known companies? I feel like, you know, what you guys are doing at Georgia Tech, how those companies kind of provide an extension of the classroom. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, it's one of the great things about being in Atlanta. When when I first came, we did a strategic plan to try to understand. I mean, some people were saying, well, we want to create the next Silicon Valley. Right, right. Everybody and that's wants what I was thinking that. of. Silicon Valley certainly taps into all the companies that are right. there and all the schools that are there. And so, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be able to recreate or, or create what is now Silicon Valley. I mean, the planet's all lined up right, right. and everything was perfect when that happened 40 years ago. Uh, what we did was uh, part of the strategic plan is to say, what is special about Atlanta? Mm-hmm. That What can we tap into? And the fact that there's so many Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies, large corporations here in Georgia Tech. And so this idea of innovation centers is really what kind of came out of that strategic planning process. And so those companies are now uh, housed. Their innovation centers are right there in Technology Square. Some of them are in our buildings. Some of them are in the Biltmore Hotel. We've just uh, purchased that. Yeah. We're building a new 750,000 square foot high performance computing center and some uh, other companies will be moving in there. But that allows our students to interact. They hire uh, these companies, locate again maybe 20 or mm-hmm. somewhere between 20 and 50 employees out from the mothership, if you will, right. where they can innovate and create new things. They hire our students as interns, as co-ops. Well, 
Well, being, and this is what's interesting, and I feel like we've had these conversations. Joe Malone, I don't know if you know the entrepreneur, London-based, yeah, created I know the brands, name, yeah. right? And she's really stressing right now the importance of students, kids being taught to be entrepreneurs. That's important for you guys, too. Yes, it's huge for us. In fact, we have, uh, that's one of the big changes we've seen is 20 years ago, students would come to Georgia Tech so they could go to work for IBM or yeah. Delta or, you know, large companies, oil companies, uh, Xerox, you know, those types of things. And today we get a lot of students that are coming that want to create their own job. So we start about somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 companies uh, this past year out of the technologies and talent at Georgia Tech. So right. we're hoping to go to 100 by 2020. One thing I want to make sure we ask you about, only about 30 seconds left. You guys have been really ahead of the curve in a lot of ways with online education, especially yeah. on the master's degree right. uh, level. Tell us what happens next there. Uh, so we've got an online master's, about 7,500 students wow. enrolled in that. We will, we will graduate seven or eight percent of the master of science in computer science in the country from that program and that's uh, growing i bet it's it's growing we started a second program in data analytics okay. uh and we started one in just this past month uh this semester in uh, cybersecurity. So we now have three of these online but programs. But is it typically an older student or no, not necessarily? Yes, it yes. Is. it's working professionals. Yeah. So the average age is about 30, early 30s to early to mid 30s. 15 seconds, Patriots or Rams? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I played football in college with uh, the former quarterback for the Patriots. So I have Steve Grogan, so I have to go with the there you Patriots. Go. Well Bud done. Peterson, uh, president of Georgia Tech here with us. And speaking of football, Got a new football coach uh, starting uh, this next season. Uh, good luck to you. This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. Carol Masser, you never know who you're going to run into yes. here on Radio Row. Evander Holyfield, the real deal, is here with us. Great to be with you, uh, champ. And we can talk about sports. We can talk about football. I want to talk with you about business because you've been very smart about a lot of different things. Now getting behind the Angus beef brand. What's going on? Well, certifying Angus beef is what I stand behind and um, giving people the very best quality of meat that they can, they can have. You've got to have a lot of people coming at you to uh, represent them. How do you choose? Well, um, I, have, I have a manager that they talk with and he explained things. And at the end, we all choose. All right, did you try the beef before you said, okay, I'm going to do this? It's great. Yes, I did. I did the very best. I'm t- it's so good, I was able to fix it. All right, got to talk football, and I'm just curious. This is quite an event. Tell us a little bit about you know, what you love about uh, the Super Bowl, the teams that are in there, uh, and what you're looking for. Well, you know, uh, I like Super Bowl because it gives everybody an opportunity each and every year. It's never over. Yeah. It just that's the one, and next year he got they have to prove itself again, and so it, it's kind of make what life is really about. Right, you got to get over something to to move into the new. And I wonder if near and dear to you because you got a son involved in football, right? Yes, I have son Elijah. He's he's going pro, but it's one of the things that same thing. Got to be the very best you could be right. each and every year been a breakout player at uh, University of Georgia for sure. One last question I want to ask you, Champ. You've been in Atlanta for a long time. You've really seen this city grow, now hosting the Super Bowl. What does it mean for Atlanta to host this game? It means a lot. It means a lot because we get a chance to be, get out there and say, let let us show you what we can do. How we're going to make things happen for you. 
and give the people a, a good a good opportunity. And I'm sure when they see when they see the the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, then it's not a bad seat in there. No, and it should it's be amazing great. stadium. Yeah, yes. right. What a treat to uh, catch up with you, Evander Holyfield, four-time world heavyweight boxing champ, getting behind certified Angus beef and so many other things. A uh, real pride of Atlanta. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. As I said when we sat down before we got going on this event, it's like one of those great cocktail parties. You're going to have you know, Evander Holyfield and our next guest because this is what I love when we get on the road. You're talking to businesses. It's a great way of putting the big macro stories in perspective. With us is Mary Lassinger. She's CEO of the Packaging and Logistics, com- Logistics Company, their stock, by the way, up about 36% this year here with us in Atlanta, which is where they're based. Thank you so much. Great to have you here. Glad to be here. I really do mean it. It's like when we can get down on the level and talk to businesses, tell me about the, the environment. What are you seeing and what it tells you about kind of the bigger picture? Yeah, a big part of our company is in the packaging space. And um, we're about an $8 billion company. We design packaging. We source the materials and deliver to where it's actually consumed by manufacturers. And we've seen strength in our business all of 2018. Uh, which was consistent with the economy. And what's interesting about our business and the insights that we have is we cut across a number of industries, whether it's heavy manufacturing, food manufacturing, uh, technology. Right. And so, and we're seeing strength generally across those sectors uh, in our business. Any weakness? Uh, what we're seeing in terms of some changes is is that we saw more inflationary prices in 2018 than what we're beginning to see in 2019. More inflationary prices last year. Last year than ah. this year. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So you hold a number of different, you sit in a number of different seats, including uh, here on the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta board. Uh, you're also on the board uh, of Kellogg. You know, what do you see as you talk to those peers? Is it consistent with what you hear from, from your team? Um, yeah, I think the consistent message that I'm getting from all of those other uh, people I interact with is that the economy appears to be strong mm-hmm. and holding in, but people feel a level of uncertainty and wonder how long it's going to last. And so, the, and and what's happening offshore, outside the U.S. markets, I think is what has uh, companies at a greater concern, and the uncertainty around what's going to happen with tariffs. Yeah, uh, what's you know what's going to happen with rates, mm-hmm. and so whenever there's that kind of uncertainty, people start to pause. But there isn't any real indication that things are actually getting softer in the U.S. And so I worry that we're trying, we're planning for the worst, but actually are seeing better Still outcomes. in a good spot, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about Atlanta because, you know, we've been t- talking to a lot of folks here, even, you know, just talking to Evander Holyfield about this city, mm-hmm. the sort of diversity in, in all aspects, not the least of which is diversity in business. You mm-hmm. know, and the, the longstanding joke, I lived in Atlanta for a long time, sort of the business of Atlanta is business. So many different uh, types of companies. I, I believe you're also involved in the, in the Metro Atlanta Chamber. Mm-hmm. Help us understand what it is about Atlanta that continues to, to provide that, that sort yeah. of environment. Well, Mara, I speak to it's who our decision. We've only been in Atlanta, our headquarters, for four years, right. just, just over four years. We chose to come here for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, the infrastructure is pretty solid. Now, there's no question there's traffic issues, but not compared to other parts of the country, right. relatively speaking. You know, the airport, um, and, this, and that enables us to move our people, because we're a national company, and we need access access to, to airports and infrastructure. There's a strong education community here, um, and, and it's, a, it's a wonderful community for businesses, government, 
uh, education and the private sector in general to work together, and they do a very, very good job of that. And so it's attractive by a number of for a number of reasons. You know, I'm listening to you talking. You mentioned the infrastructure, right? This is so key for you guys to get mm-hmm. your, you know, what you what you make to get to all of your customers. Um, what do you see on that front? And would you, what do we need in terms of upgrades? I mean, I feel like this is that one story that we all talk about. Everybody agrees we need to spend on it. We don't do it. Yeah, I think it's a big gap um, nationally, and we ought to be spending money on infrastructure and do it in the right way. But to the What's extent, the right way. Well, I don't have the answers to that, but okay. we need solid highway systems, mm-hmm. rail systems, and I w- I do worry we don't do the proper level of investment um, in those areas uh, to support ultimately business long term and consumers. It ultimately will impact consumers as well. I want to go back to if I can just for a second. I was thinking about the business environment. What you said because you guys mostly sell to the United States, right? Correct. Most of your customers, you do a yes. little bit overseas. I think some in Canada, right? But I am curious. You said about business sentiment that even though the trade deals aren't going to impact you directly, it does impact your customers, right? Because they may play globally. And so, because we keep thinking about all of these other companies that are mostly U.S. are selling in the U.S. that they're insulated, but you're not necessarily. You are not. So here's what's happening in in our business, for example. We buy raw materials uh, out of uh, China, for example, where we can't get them here. Yeah. Um, But we also have customers that we support in those Asian markets that um, where their business is soft and then that impacts our business. And so to the extent that we're paying higher tariffs, we end up paying that, passing that along to our customers, and eventually it'll get to the consumer. Yeah. And, and so everyone's all worked up about trade, but until it has a direct impact on the consumer, uh, because all that matters is really what is the consumer doing? Who's been out there spending for the moment. Right. And until that impacts it, yeah. there's not as much of a bigger, big impact to business. All right. Uh, before we let you go, got to ask you about the game on Sunday. <laughs> uh, who do you like? Patriot or Rams? I, I don't care. Yeah. Really? Oh, come on. Everybody You want a good cares. showing for Atlanta, it's right? It's a great story. Yeah. Um, it's, a great, it's great to have them here. Yeah. But, you know, I just hope the best team wins and they play a good game and, and that people are entertained by it. Diplomat. There you go. <laughs> Mary Lassen, Jersey, CEO at the Packaging and Logistics Company, Veritiv, based here in Atlanta, joining us here in Atlanta. And this is Bloomberg Radio. Yes, indeed. There are so many things going on in Atlanta to make sure everything goes smoothly at the big game this week and the Super Bowl. And that includes, of course, security. We have uh, two perfect people to talk to about that. The former New York City Police Commissioner, Boston Police Commissioner, Executive Chairman at Teneo, Bill Bratton, is with us here in Atlanta, along with Mike Mayorana. He is Senior Vice President of the uh, Public Sector over at Verizon, based in Virginia, but both in Atlanta. Welcome. Great to be with you. So talk to us about security. What's it, I mean, what is a big game like this have to think about when it comes to making sure that everybody who attends the game is secure, Bill? You have to think about everything. <laughs> we were at the uh, briefing this morning. They do two briefings a day, 9 o'clock and 6 o'clock at the police headquarters. And uh, just listening to the myriad of things they have to be involved with, the hundreds of events that have to be policed, the crowd flows, uh, security issues ranging from just that crowd flows on up to traffic. Uh, certainly the terrorism issues are always of concern, but good news this year, as in previous years, uh, no threats uh, that they were aware of directed against the event. The good news. And then to support all of that, and that's what I'm down here for working with Verizon, everything is very dependent on communications that won't fail. And so Michael, uh, my partner for the last uh, year and a half uh, (laughs) on this issue of 
working with Verizon on ensuring public safety communications. So, Mike, tell us about that, because obviously, you know, we're in a different world than we were, say, 9-11. We're in a different world than we were at very close to home here in 1996, where there was obviously a notable uh, incident very, very close to where uh, we're sitting. How does communications work today in an event like that? So Verizon has a decade's uh, worth of experience in supporting public safety first responders, and over the years, they've become more and more dependent on commercial technology, just like you and I use. Uh, The 4G LTE network and the features and functionality on that network, uh, priority services, preemption services, um, having a private core to be able to segregate traffic versus the consumer traffic is all helping uh, improve comms for first responders that are using smartphones, iPhones, Androids, So what Verizon does for an event like this, um, we've invested $97 million here in Atlanta in the past year to enhance coverage and capacity Mm. in in venues outside at the Super Bowl uh, uh, stadium. And um, we've got temporary assets. With the technology that you see today in place, um, small cells um, scattered all across the city uh, to improve uh, capacity. Because you have two things you have to think about. I think about the people who are attending the game, right? Yes. Want to make sure that their experience is really cool. Right. They can share it with, you know, friends and family and all that good stuff. Fantasy so that's sports. One thing, and right? That's a big part of this game. Carol's right? thinking about tweeting right now. <laughs> no, but it's such a big part of the experience. And then you've got making sure everything's secure so that those right. first responders, right. God forbid something goes yeah. wrong, you've got to make sure that they can communicate Well, one clearly. of the things Verizon uh, has done when you ask what's changed over time that uh, as recently as the horrific events on 9-11, Back then, the concern was about security of voice communication, radio, phones. Now it's a lot about the data transmission, transmission of video. So the world and the capacity need, as well as the volume, has changed dramatically. Every one of those 100,000 people in the stadium, every one of the million people in the area are going to be walking around with a smartphone. Right. And when there's a touchdown scored, (laughs) we're all going to be on the phone. And that Verizon has really moved in, as Mike was saying. Uh, they put in 350 miles of uh, uh, fiber uh, optic cable. They've got 300, what they call small cells, which effectively are boosters. So in certain areas, like where we're sitting here, with all that's going on here, yeah. they have small cells that ensure that you guys don't go down in the middle of the broadcast. So We haven't so far, so thank you. It's <laughs> using three of our products over there. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for your business. The issue uh, from the public safety perspective is prioritization, preemption, and collaboration. All those public safety agencies, the 40-some of them with that uh, meeting this morning, all have to have the ability to talk with each other, radio, phone, data, video. They also have to have, normally, interoperability without interruption, but if there were to be an emergency that required, effectively, more resources, more use, they need to have priority over everybody else. And if necessary, and if it's been of a significant catastrophe, preemption, the ability to shut others down. So think of it as a highway, that eight-lane highway. Yeah. They need an HOV lane. Right. And in some instances, like switch, they need the whole like highway. It, right. And so what Verizon has been able to build and is continuing to build out for uh, public safety in America is those capabilities, that capacity to ensure collaboration, 
collaboration that can count on preemption and prioritization. And, and we're right inside the uh, emergency operations centers. We've got hundreds of dedicated network personnel here in the city uh, working directly with uh, public safety and law enforcement inside of their business, so to speak, to ensure that they have uh, the capabilities that they've become so dependent upon. Well, and the scale of it. I mean, and, and yeah, we're seeing it right in front of it. us just in terms of, like, the media uh, who are gathered around. All right, before we let both of you go, got to get a prediction on uh, Sunday. You're going to be back home uh, in New York. I have a good uh, guess here. I think we know where you're going, but we're going we're gonna to make you say <laughs> it on air. Did, 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 did you hear my accent? I was just going to say, I love your accent. Naturally, go Pats. <laughs> well, you did work in Los Angeles for a while. I don't know. Not just my, 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 my family uh, maniacs. There you go. The, the, the Pats. And you're watching from home? Uh, my sister's living in uh, Las Vegas with a partner. They got the big blow-up Pats balloons outside. <laughs> with, uh, They're not shy. Mike, what you, who, who you, you like? And I came in uh, a Ravens fan. Now, we, we were hoping the Ravens would get there. I'm a Maryland guy, but uh, I'm going for the Patriots. The bottom line is there's Smart a man. <laughs> I, Bill is a good friend, but they've got a tradition of excellence, and you've got to respect them. Yeah, really you really great have to. Team to watch. Hopefully, let's, let's hope for a close game. Then. Let's hope for yeah, a good entertaining game. game. <laughs> An entertaining game and, and, and a peaceful game. Right. right. Bill Bratton, Mike Mayorana, thank you so much both. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. I just patted his uh, bicep, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's solid. Yeah, he's Herschel Walker. Oh, my God, it's a great thing. Herschel Walker, of course, you know, one of the best-known legendary uh, football players stopping by to see us here in Atlanta. We're on Radio Row ahead of the Super Bowl. Herschel, I got to tell you, I grew up in Atlanta a lot of my uh, cousins went to University of Georgia, and uh, meeting you, it's, it's a real treat. I go back to 1981. Uh, those were the glory days, man. Oh, they were. But I, I tell you, what, it's, it's great to be back in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, my mom is still in South Georgia, and to get back here, I'm always excited about it. And to have the Super Bowl here is, is incredible. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. You know, I was telling someone, I said, this has become one of the most hip hop capital. And, you know, with the Catholic family having the uh, Pine Tree Studios out there, it's got the studios and the College Hall of Fame. Right. A lot of good things are happening here in Atlanta. That is so true. We've been talking about how diverse the economy oh, has, has become in terms of entrepreneurs, tech, yes. entertainment. It's really kind of cool what's oh, going on. Oh, it is. It's very cool. Well, it's very cool. You're an entrepreneur yourself. Tell us what you've been up to these days. Well, you know, uh, you, you got to probably think that I'm uh, not telling the truth, but, you know, I'm also the ambassador for Bellator. Uh, so I'm uh, doing a lot of stuff at Bellator. I own the largest minority-owned food company in the United States and also have a best red drapery company in the United States. The one of my biggest love is I have an opportunity to go to a military base every three weeks. Wow. Uh, we treat soldiers. Uh, for the last 10 years, I've, we've averaged about four to 500 soldiers a year where I talk to them about mental health. Like, there's no shame to ask for help because, you know, in my life, I went through a tough time. And I just didn't uh, stay down. I got up, kept getting up, and I, and I tell them the same thing. They're yeah. warriors. They're the reason we're the best country in the world because of the United States military. So I want to encourage them as well. How do you pick and choose how you spend your time? Because I'm, I'm assuming you've got a lot of folks knocking out the door either to invest in the businesses or to help them out with stuff. How do you pick and choose? Well, I, I do. But, you know, one of the things that I learned, you know, I grew up with a speech impediment. I was a little bit overweight. But my mom has always told me that my Lord Jesus was always guiding me, that as long as I keep him first, I'm going to be okay. And I tell people, your family come first. You know, as long as your family is healthy, you're going to be okay. Well, as long as my family is healthy, I know i got to give back. Mm -hmm. uh, giving back is the biggest key because I've had so many people to help me. 
you know, people talk about my football thing, but I said, guys, I've had great coaches. I've had great offensive linemen that didn't get the rewards that I got. And because I, I received those rewards, I have to give back. So giving back is my military work that I put in, mm -hmm. you know, going to the military base, thanking those young men and women for their service. And, you know, I also do a Kyle Petty charity ride across America coming up in May. And we're starting in uh, Seattle, Washington, going all the way to Kilo, Key Largo, Florida. And we raise money for chronic ear kids because wow. that's important. Things like that is very, very important. I agree. Well, a great homecoming for you, Herschel Walker, here Wait, to Georgia. It. Patriots or Rams? Uh, well, now that's going to be tough. Reason why. 30 Tom seconds. Gurley and yes. Michelle of Georgia. So I'm going to give the edge to, I think the Rams can win if that defensive plays. Wow. wow. Gurley is the key there, right? Yes. Absolutely. Herschel Walker, what a treat. Thank you. Uh, Thank to you. Catch up with you. Thanks so much for talking. biceps that are amazing. Yeah, well, and you heard it. He's the first to pick the Rams. I got to tell you, that's Do you really great. do 1,000 push-ups every day? Uh, 1,500. About 1,500 push-ups every day. 1,500 push-ups a day. All right. You're listening to Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser and Jason Kelly on Bloomberg Radio. So I love getting a chance to talk to someone like our next guest. Rob Frowine is CEO at the small business lender Cabbage, joining us here in Atlanta. Lots to talk about, but what I love... Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate being here. Thanks <laughs> they, for having me. I really do because we talk so much and we throw it around, small businesses being the backbone of the economy, but it does tell you so much about what's going on in our economy. So tell us a little bit from your perspective, you're lending to small businesses around the country. What are you seeing? So, well, first of all, small businesses are the, are the backbone. They're, uh, they make up 50% uh, of the non-farm GDP, more than two-thirds of all jobs go to small businesses. Uh, in the economy, and, and frankly, that's a trend that, that exists globally. Um, but what we're seeing is, you know, continued bullishness from the small business market. Um, they are, they, there's new Same business. as last year? Same as last year, yeah. I would say uh, it just as bullish this year. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of um, concern that, you know, things are changing in the economy a little bit, but from our small business owners, we're actually seeing very consistent patterns from what we've seen in the past. Well, and clearly people are seeing... Uh a lot of growth here, Rob, and you know, need not take my word for it because you've got some pretty powerful backers behind you, both from a private equity perspective, individual uh, investors like David Bonderman, I believe, uh, but also a uh, little shop called SoftBank uh, has gotten involved <laughs> as well, and you're partnering with Alibaba. What do they see in terms of the opportunity here as you look to grow? You know, I think I think what they realize is the uh, the expansion of the technology. Uh, market allows small businesses many times to compete on a very level playing field with larger businesses. Mm -hmm. And so getting behind that trend and really focusing on the individuals that are driving, that have always driven a big part of the economy, but now can be even furthered and, and enabled to, to do more in, in, the, in the general market is, is what they're getting behind. They also think that there's lots of opportunities to bring more products and services to them to basically help them even grow faster and become a bigger part of the economy. From what you're seeing, where are we in the market and economic cycle? Well, He's you know, smiling. I, I, I've been, <laughs> look into I've, that crystal ball. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I was asked this question, you know, five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, and Here I always, we are. <laughs> I always say we're like twelve to eighteen months away from a credit cycle, um, and I've been wrong at least four or for five times for the last times. four or five years. Yeah, look, uh, you know, I think we're in a period of time that. You know, none of us, at least of, of our ages, have ever been able to witness. We've we've never been in a post, you know, decline like from the global financial crisis. Right. So I think trying to apply older norms to current circumstances is hard to do. And for the balance of 2019, what's the single biggest opportunity for your firm? 
So for us, it's it's all about focusing on the cash flow of the small business. What we realize is if you started a small business, that's because you were great at something, some craft, some skills, some talent, and you want to be doing that while you're working as much as possible. What you don't want to be doing is worrying about your cash flow every night. Right. And I say that from personal experience. Many sleepless nights for me. And so we're focusing on, on recognizing that lending money to small businesses, they're really borrowing to solve cash flow issues. And so what else can we do to surround that customer and, and take that burden from them and let them focus on what they do best? Well, we, yeah, good. So great to catch up with you. Thank you so much. I really Appreciate the time. I really do love that small business area. Rob Furwine, he's CEO at Cabbage with us here in Atlanta. You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week, and this is Bloomberg Radio. Because he had high hopes. He had high hopes. He had and so we're joined for the end of our show to wrap it up with a really important topic here. And it, it really is underneath a lot of what a lot of the players, yes. uh, a lot of the companies here are, are talking about. There is a program called Inspire Change. It's an, an initiative grant for social justice. And it's a partnership between the NFL and Operation Hope. John Hope Bryant is here with us. He is the founder and chief executive officer of Operation Hope. John, great to have you here with us. Honored to be with you. Thanks for having me. So we've been talking a lot about the economy. We do it uh, every day. Yep. You are looking at it from the perspective of people who are struggling. And uh, tell us how economic inequality is manifesting itself and what we can do about it. Well, I'm look, actually talking about from the perspective of those who actually are driving the economy and get little credit for it, Yeah. Uh, who also never got the memo on free enterprise and capitalism and economics and opportunity. So they are spending all the money, but they don't own any of the assets. Yeah. They're not the clients of Rob here yet, but they need to be because startups, shoot up, small business and entrepreneurship is where all job growth comes from in this country. And every big business was, that was once a small one. You know, Goldman Sachs was a guy named Goldman and a guy named Sachs. Yeah. And Walmart was Sam Walton with the pickup truck and storefront and a high school education. So we think that, that this issue of social justice or injustice, the driver underneath that is, is economic equality. So you need an inclusive economy. So I've created the Starbucks of financial inclusion, the private banker to the working poor, the struggling class, the teetering middle class. That's 70% of Americans living from paycheck to paycheck. The folks, the federal workers... I was just going to say, right? Yeah. It was front and center as a result of the government shutdown the, that we realized these so many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. They had two weeks of pay. Right. And then they were on the ropes. Right. And that's, that's most people who have too much month at the end of their money. How do we break this cycle? Because I feel like we are at a, a point in our history, U.S. history, where you have so many or a smaller group of really, really wealthy people getting wealthier. Yep. And then you have poor people and you have not a lot in the middle. Already a key element of the upcoming presidential. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and we don't have time for this, but it's some way, in some ways what drove the last campaign yeah. were my poor white friends in rural America who felt like they were invisible for 50 years after right. the Industrial Revolution. So, and once again, the color was not black, white, red, brown, and yellow. It was green, currency, yeah. economics. <laughs> so the issue, when, when mainstream America has a headache, black folks have pneumonia. <laughs> so if it's bad for my friend Rob, it's really bad for my friend, you know, uh, 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 Gerald. So this initiative moves, I'm going to get real straight here. We move credit scores 120 points in 24 months. Wow. Nothing changes your life more than God or love than moving your credit score 120 points. How do you I, do it? Well, we, we get in. So the banker can't tell you when they see you that you're not going to be declined for that loan. They must, by law, for fear of being sued, for discrimination, take the application. We're sitting 10 feet from the banker all across this country, 24 states. They work for me, not the banker. So my people can say, girl, it looks like the, <laughs> the credit report looks like a bus accident. 
Yeah. What's that? Oh, I don't know what that is. That's called an error. Okay. The credit, the, the, the law is that the credit bureaus can't confirm that within 30 days. They must remove it. When we challenge that to the credit bureaus, and most people have an error on their credit report, they must remove it if they can't confirm it. That's a 30-point pop in your credit score. So, so if you have a 580 credit score, I've just moved you to six, 610. What's now happening to your self-esteem? Your confidence, your belief in yourself, it's all going up. Your trust in the system. Now you have a, a default. You, you, you have a charge-off, right? You didn't pay your phone bill and you got divorced 10 years ago. $1,000 phone bill sold to three different insurance companies, the phone companies, then to Joe's finance company. He bought it for five cents on the dollar. He bought it for 50 bucks. You don't know that. It's still showing $1,000. My people do. We call Joe's finance company. We have Joe here. Hey, hey, I'm looking for her or looking for Joette. Jo- well, she's looking for you. Yeah. We want to buy that debt, 100 it, bucks. I, so we, that goes up another 30 points. My point is we get you the point where we can get you right. to say yes. And now all of a sudden you're in the free enterprise system. Half of black Americans don't have a credit score above 620. Let that crazy. sink in. Wow. We have to run. I know. Because they're going to. I was talking fast. No, no, and I love it. But I love this, the financial literacy idea. We keep talking about it year after year after year. And we need people like you and others to really help people uh, really improve their situation. And what if the solution was economics and a number, not race? Not black or yes. white. Not yeah. Republican or Democrat. If it was a number. John, we got to run. John Hope Bryant, founder, <laughs> CEO at Operation Hope. What a way to end. Carol Master, Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg. Thanks for listening to Bloomberg Business Week. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Bloomberg.com. You can also listen to our radio show every weekday at 2 p.m. Eastern, only on Bloomberg Radio.